0: Hey, it's Dr. Gayla again, and this is the next module of the Moult Method Program. We are going to talk about toxins, and this is arguably the most important module in the program, so I might challenge some of your preconceived notions about toxicity as we go through this here. But I just, again, encourage you to have that open mind. We've talked about repeatedly and just know that toxicity is everywhere in our world. So we have to manage what we can and um, and understand how it's affecting us and um, and just accept that there's Some things we can do and other things we don't have a whole lot of control over. The most important thing is just to know it's there and know that it's at work and it's a contributing factor in our overall experience with our health. So we're just going to share our screen here and we'll get on with the show. (laughs) So again, this is the tea in molt for toxins and we are going to talk about toxins and all the sources categories of toxins that i evaluate and then we are going to practice some uh, toxin mitigation strategies and then i'm going to answer some common questions that i get related to um, this module of toxicity So, understanding toxic stress, um, we've already looked at this idea of stress, definition of stress, state of mental, emotional, or physical strain or tension resulting from adverse or very demanding circumstances and stress turns toxic when it's allowed to escalate. Um, the body's finding ways to manage the energy required for ongoing rest and repair until it can't anymore. And we've already talked about this, um, real or perceived crisis. So, um, if you think back to, what I shared with you about our, um, nervous system, thinking that we've got to run from a lion, whether that's real or perceived. Um, this is just important that we recognize that when we've been under real or perceived threat, rest and repair have been backburnered. So, um, when you understand kind of how the body deals with toxicity, we know that during sleep, most processes are on basic life support. So the things that are not currently being repaired are essentially paused. Um, We know we can't pause breathing. We can't pause our heart beating. There are certain things that, our body has to do regardless. Those systems are kept online, fully functional, but the other things that can be paused for a bit are paused so that we can do rest and repair in some particular organ system. This is one of the reasons why fasting, particularly time-restricted eating, where we've shortened our eating window and we stop eating earlier in the evening, the more we can give our body time to do that digestion before we go into sleep, the easier a time our body will have of determining what it can and can't do in the rest and repair department overnight. So uh, an analogy I like to use is, you know, if you cleaned your room, (laughs) um, what would you do with all the, things that you needed to deal with. So uh, one of my dear friends, when we were young in college, um, she still was living with her family. And um, and so she just was not a super tidy person. I love her dearly, but um, but her idea of cleaning her room was just throwing everything under the bed. So if her Mom would tell her that she had to clean her room before she went to do something she'd just stuff everything under the bed. Now most of us would know that that's not a sustainable strategy, but if you are tasked with doing rest and repair work and your body says like I don't have enough time to handle all of this, so I'm just going to stuff this toxicity over here in this um visceral tissue, fat accumulation, that sort of thing. You kind of understand maybe now how that happens. Like you don't have time to really do it right. And so you're just going to stick it wherever you can stick it and think I'll deal with it later. So, um, our body eliminates toxins up to a point and then it becomes overwhelmed and, um, autumn, Autonomic decision making and prioritizing is compromised. So this goes back to what I was just saying. You know, now all of a sudden the body's got to decide what it's going to prioritize and what happens in a crisis. What? How do we do prioritizing things in a crisis? We prioritize what is barking the loudest, and um, and a lot of times that's not the most important thing to deal with, but that's what gets addressed. So we wanna address the buildup of toxins that escalates to toxic stress. And the good news is that this is often the root cause of disease. So when we deal with this, we are really going to reverse a lot of kind of big issues that we potentially have been dealing with. So um, stress related ailments contributes to um, so much disease. And um, the statistics are that 75 to 90% of all doctors visits are boiled down to some ill effects of stress. So chronic untreated stress reactions can create a lifetime emotional disorder. So that's another um, component that often gets overlooked even down the road when you finally do start taking, um, uh, reversing the effects of toxicity seriously, if these effects have become um, emotional toxicity, that has to be dealt with too. So um, stress slows the pace of healing and creates the susceptibility to disease. When I did my doctorate dissertation, it was related to using um, essentially Biofield testing and how we have resonant frequencies at work in our body. And one of the studies that I cited was how if somebody allowed the emotional distress from some traumatic event to essentially go untreated very commonly a high, high correlation, that person developed disease and oftentimes cancer. So this um, correlation with emotional toxicity is not small. And if you have been stuck where you feel like you're doing all the right things and um, you're not moving in the right direction, it's likely that you have some emotional toxicity that is contributing to your problem. Um, Dr. Bessel van der Kolk wrote a book that is called Your Body Keeps the Score. And it's a it's a textbook sort of book. So it's not an easy read, but um, but it really. Shows how our bodies actually store toxicity. And if you feel like this is something you might be dealing with, I recommend the book. So, um, emotions and the stress response are directly connected to disease. We just talked about that. And if emotional regulation is forced, denying the natural expression of feelings, they're stored like any other toxin. So, if you are have been conditioned to think that expressing anger is not acceptable, anger actually um, can be a healthy response if it's you know expressed um, in a way that isn't gonna harm other people. Um, and a lot of people that have become depressed have had to repress their anger. Felt like maybe they didn't have any power or control in their lives, and so um, so it can be very helpful to as you unravel this emotional toxicity to begin to express anger, and that can unlock a whole lot of stuck emotions. Um, uh, another really important thing to understand is that happiness can really create a healing. Response in the body, and it can be manufactured. I have a course called Manufacturing Happiness. And in that course, and in a lot of other things that I share, um, I talk about the different happy brain chemicals and the kinds of things we can do to generate that um, happy brain chemical, even when we're not feeling it. So um, oftentimes we know what to do to relieve stress. We've heard it all. We know we should um, exercise or we should um, meditate or, you know, all the normal things, if you will. And when that works short term, but it doesn't stick then we know we've got some sort of most likely toxic stressor that is contributing to the problem. If it was just what I refer to as garden variety stress, we've talked about this earlier in the program. If it was just garden variety stress, then our normal stress relieving techniques would work on it. If that's not working, if it's not sticking, then I suggest that there is um, something else going on. So we know this when we've activated the parasympathetic nervous system. So we've done the four, seven, eight breathing, for example, and we feel better for a few minutes. And then an hour later, we notice that all those feelings of anxiousness, um, short breathing, that sort of thing are returning, maybe um, even um, heart palpitations. and that's typically pointing to some sort of chemical or other what I refer to as stealth toxins. These are things we can't see. It's not like we're staring at a bowl of cesspool of toxins, and we're like, all I got to do is just, you know, move away from this, and the problem will be solved. Um, the other thing that can be really tricky and um, and requires almost a metaphysical approach to deal with is um, this genetic predisposition and or generational trauma. So um, I have patients that come to me and tell me that they have a genetic predisposition to X disease. And they'll cite the statistics because some doctor has told them that they had a, you know, 42% chance of developing this because they've got this genetic anomaly. And my response is, if that makes you feel better to know that like, this isn't your fault because you had a four in 10 chance of getting it, that's fine. But six of the 10 people didn't get it. And so something that you have going on in your world has allowed that genetic anomaly to express for you. So let's figure out how to turn that back off so that you can be in the six that don't have to deal with this. Um, Generational trauma is even more tricky because oftentimes generational trauma really is metaphysical. Like, um, Some of the stories that I have heard and share about um, people that have um, experienced some sort of odd behavior of their own making, you know, their own behavior that seems to make no sense at all. And then they find out that it is somehow related to something that essentially was implanted in their DNA, um, their cellular memory before they came into this world. Um, Those kinds of things I know seem a little woo, woo, but they are in fact real and do happen. Um, You can look at situations like, the twins that were separated at birth and then brought back together in adulthood and they have the same mannerisms or a lot of the same likes and dislikes that completely defy the different environments that they live in so um so there are just a lot of unexplained factors things we don't know but what we do know is that these things do affect us and that Those of us that are experiencing ill health or dis-ease of some sort, um, just know that there are a lot of um, potential causes that no amount of improving your diet, increasing exercise, you know, those sorts of things that we're commonly told will fix the problem are going to fix. And so when you feel frustrated because you've tried all the things and they don't work for you, know that they don't work for you because you've probably got some of these other things going on.